course, I'm going to preach today from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. I preach on this in July. I preach on this in February. I preach on this all the time. Because this is a guiding scripture in my life. It's not a day goes by that I don't think about this scripture. It's beautiful. I, I wish we had a choir up here today to sing it, Handel's Messiah, and just let them sing my text today. Wouldn't that be great? Can you hear it? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That's unto us. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. This is the line that drives me as a person. It defines my ministry. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. The kingdom of God is ever increasing. It must ever increase. God's kingdom is in my heart and he has to he is continually taking over more and more of my life every day. God's government is big government. And I think I've given it all to him and he walks into secret rooms that I didn't even know existed and says I want that too. His government increases in my life. But his kingdom, his government also increases in this world. And we know that one day every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's taking over the world. Come on, somebody. I said he's taking over the world. Praise God. Amen. I want to preach to you today on this subject. Why we plant churches. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for being here. We thank you for coming, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you, Lord, that you came and dwelt among us. Thank you for salvation today. Thank you for your kingdom today, God. Help us, Lord, to get a revelation and see it the way you see it, Lord pray in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. The psalmist wrote, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visiteth him? I cannot explain to you today why God cares about people. I can't explain to you why he created people, but it is a fact that God created mankind and he loves mankind. Kind. He loves you and I and he wants to make his dwelling place with us and in us. Don't have, I don't have an explanation for it. 
But we see God's perfect will in the Garden of Eden. And he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. That's how he created it. That's how he intended it. That's how he wanted it to be. Don't you wish it was still that way? In the end, when we read the end of the book, he's going to take his bride to heaven. And what are we going to do? We're going to fellowship with him all the time. Amen. We're going to be in heaven with him forever. That's God's will. I have no idea what God is going to get out of it. But that's God's plan. And, and the Bible, we could put the Bible into cliff notes. Uh, it would uh, be something like this. God had a kingdom on earth. Satan destroyed it. Uh, Adam and Eve were complicit in it. And the rest of the story of the Bible is how God's reestablishing his kingdom in the earth. And then when he gets that kingdom reestablished, uh, at his appointed time, he's going to come and take us all away and he's going to be done with the earth. That's the cliff notes of the Bible. But God had some struggles establishing his kingdom in the earth. When the, the way God set this up, he has to have man's cooperation. We have free will, and we can choose him or we cannot choose him, and so God limits himself to that economy, and he uh, persuades us. I don't know why he did it that way. I wouldn't have done it that way. Would you? I mean, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have a preacher preaching on Sunday up here. I, God did that. As a preacher, I know how uh, flawed that system is. Are y'all out there? All y'all okay today? All right. It's, it's going to be all right. Uh, it's going to seem like I'm going to preach the whole Bible. And I, I am kind of, but I'm going to do it in 38 minutes. Okay, so don't worry. I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to slam on brakes. Okay, so I've got a clock up here. In the garden, God lost. We could say it that way. His plan didn't work out. Satan prevailed over mankind's will and, and sin entered the earth. And so God, if you, if you take the first 12 chapters of Genesis, you can hold them in your hand, especially with little thin pages of the Bible. And those few little chapters cover 2,000 years of God trying to get man's attention. He was basically using a megaphone, trying to talk to everybody. Hey, worship me, worship me. Well, it didn't work out. And he, he winds up uh, repenting that he made man. He destroys everybody with a flood and starts over with eight. And he says, well, maybe we can get a, the kingdom established now and, and, and with, with Noah. Well, it wasn't long before that didn't work out. And, and, and Noah's descendants all ended up at the Tower of Babel shaking their fist in the face of God, saying, you'll never destroy us again. And when you look at it from a bird's eye view, God didn't have very many people serving him, if any. In fact, we don't know of any, really. God is not seemingly winning the battle to establish his kingdom. So he decides in the 12th chapter of Genesis he's going to start with Abraham and he's going to make Abraham a great nation and, and, and he gives us an insight. He says, through thee all families of the earth will be blessed. 
God said, I'm going to focus on Abraham and I'm going to make out of Abraham a great nation. And, 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 and then the rest of your Bible to the book of Revelation covers 2,000 years. And so the story of the Bible narrows down to focus upon the Jewish people and the descendants of Jesus. And that didn't work out too good. Abraham told a few lies, right? Uh, Jacob was a deceiver. The 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 sons of Israel, 11 of them, or 10 of them anyway, sell Joseph into slavery. And they wind up in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. I told you I was going to preach the whole Bible. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'm trying to give you an overview. And God sends them to deliver a deliverer and they reject him. Who are you? Are you going to save us? You're going to kill us like you did that Egyptian Moses? Moses has to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Finally, they leave and when they cross uh, the Red Sea, there are 603,550 men over the age of 20. You can make that about 3 million souls that God finally has a church. And he called it the church in the wilderness. And he took them out of Egypt. And oh, God had great plans for these people. He was going to give them everything. Rain food down. On, from on heaven a rock, a rock followed them around in the wilderness and gave them water and he said surely they'll serve me uh, their clothes didn't wear out there was none of them sick and, and they had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and they didn't like it grumbled and complained and they did uh, poor God Read the Old Testament. You'll feel sorry for the Lord. He's so good to these people, and they just kept rejecting him. God's trying to build his kingdom. Don't tell anybody, but the hidden secret of the Old Testament is this. They never did what God wanted them to do. They never did. All those laws that you read through in Leviticus in January... When you go through your Bible reading, they never did any of that. They were stiff-necked and rebellious. Uh, they kept going, the Bible said, whoring after other gods. God saw idolatry. He saw them as his chosen bride, as his as his lover, so to speak. Read the Song of Solomon. And, and they constantly were looking at other uh, lovers and other gods. And the story uh, of uh, Hosea, he said, Hosea, this is going to be an allegory. I'm going to show my people what they're doing. He said, Hosea, go marry Gomer. Go marry a prostitute. And, and so he goes down and he marries Gomer and, and he brings her home and he takes care of her and wants to be a good husband to her. And the next thing you know, she's back out plying her trade and and, and, and Hosea raises two kids that aren't even his and, and he said this is the way you've treated me God trying to build a kingdom in the earth and, and if you won't think I'm sacrilegious you might say the gates of hell prevailed against that system Satan 
was more successful when you measure it in terms of the souls of men. Satan had more than God. Satan's kingdom was thriving. But Isaiah prophesied, there's coming a child. There's going to be a child is born. A son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It wasn't happening then, but Isaiah said that it's going to happen. When the Old Testament closes, after 900 years or so of God trying to work with Israel, 10 tribes have disappeared off the face of the earth. They've totally gone into Assyrian captivity. They've been assimilated into the Assyrian population. The southern kingdom, the two tribes that remained 70 years, they were all taken out of Palestine and put into Babylon. And at the height of Israel's, uh, under Solomon, there were about 7 million Jews in Palestine. At the close of the Old Testament, there may be 100,000 to 150,000 Jews in Palestine. A remnant has returned from Babylon. Now this remnant will remain faithful to God. But Malachi closes and what does it say? Will a man rob God? And if the story stopped there, it'd be a very sad picture of God's kingdom. The priesthood is gone. There's no ironic priesthood. They've all backslid. Ezra was an anointed scribe. Ezra gets the book. He gets the scroll. And he restores some measure of spirituality. But, but the priest is gone. And the system, the temple system is gone. The, the little old temple they built was so uh, unlike Solomon's that the old man, men wept and cried when they saw it. If you looked at the state of God's kingdom, 400 years of silence, 400 years of silence. No prophets were sent, no word from God. Oh, but the Bible says, but when the fullness of time was come, oh, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Oh, Bethlehem, more than a cute story. It was a retool of God's attempt to build his kingdom. It was prophesied. He let it linger for a long time and I don't know what about the timing but when the fullness of time was come, the son was born. This man, Jesus, was walking along with his disciples one day. And he said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. 
and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, God declared to his disciples, he said, I have come to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you something. Everything he tried before in the Old Testament was weak through the flesh, through sinful flesh, but divine uh, divinity became flesh and he dwelt among us and this new system didn't have that flaw of the weakness of sinful flesh. And the church, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's kingdom on earth today is his church. What you're doing here today is divinely ordained. You know, church, uh, we, we, it has a, uh, uh, in English, it has just a one single meaning. It's a group of religious people to get, getting together. You say church, uh, it can be a Catholic church, it can be a Baptist church, it can be whatever, and a little white church with a steeple. That's what that word means. We don't use it for anything else. Well, when Jesus told his disciples, he said, upon this rock I'm going to build my church. In Greek, he said ecclesia. And ecclesia didn't have just a religious connotation. Uh, I won't go into all of that uh, this morning, but uh, synagogue did. Synagogue uh, translate is a Greek word that translates the Hebrew word for church. And ecclesia translates kahal, the Hebrew word for church. But synagogue means a group of Jews getting together, reading the Torah. Ecclesia comes from the ecclesia of Athens. It means a group of people assembled together. For a specific purpose. Okay, so a group of people come together to make decisions for the city of Athens. In Acts 22, it's translated town council. They brought uh, Paul before the ecclesia, and it's translated the town council. It's a group of people meeting together for a specific purpose. Jesus only uses this word twice. I've read to you the first time he used it, and then the next time he uses it in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, verse uh, 17 through 20 he's, he's talking about if you have a dispute with somebody go to them first and then if they won't hear you take somebody else and then if he uh, then take it uh, to two or three he said and if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican verily I say unto you whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am I I in the midst of them. That's the definition of a church where two or three are gathered in his.
his name that's under his authority that's for the specific purpose of having church I'm here to tell you that a church there are churches meeting together that we don't even know about in China they came together for a purpose they came together in the name of Jesus they came together according to the book they have uh, apostolic leadership they have a pastor and they've gathered together and they are the church That's God's kingdom on earth. We are gathered here together in the name of Jesus. Come on, has anybody been baptized in the name of Jesus here? We are taking on his name. That's why it's important how you're baptized. It's important that you're baptized in the name of Jesus. How are you going to gather in the name or under the authority of Jesus if you haven't taken on his name? It makes you a citizen of heaven. And so we come together to do business for Jesus. This is God's system. You know, we got a lot of people that say negative things about the church nowadays. I went to a Christmas program in a mega church, and pastor got up and said, I'm glad all of you are here. He said, you know, now if you don't like church, don't worry about it. We don't like church either. I wanted to stand up and say, what are you talking about? My Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The reason Christ died is to establish his church, his kingdom on earth. When we gather together, something very powerful happens. Jesus ascribed this church again. Whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the authority of God in the earth. That comes through the church. Hear me now. See, this isn't the Lions Club. This, This isn't just something you just came together. This is God's kingdom. Here today, oh, it's it's made of men, absolutely. Everything God does on earth comes through men. I wish it wasn't that way. I'm sorry to be up here. I'm sorry to be the preacher up here. But you know what? God called me. I got to do it. I'm like Jeremiah. It's like fire shut up in my bones. If I don't preach, uh, God's going to get me. This is his system. It's been perverted. The Catholic Church has interpreted that scripture as uh, uh, the Petrine doctrine, it's called. They said the, the rock was Peter. And so he was the one that Jesus was building his church on. And so they believe every pope is the successor of Peter. And so that Peter has handed those keys to the kingdom off. And they believe that Pope Francis right now holds those keys and they believe that he has the ability to keep writing Scripture. The tradition of the church is equal to Scripture, and that's a perversion. That's not what he was saying. He said, the, the revelation of who I am and what I've done and, and the, I, the whole concept that God became flesh and paid for our sins, all of that, that is the rock. 
The rock is truth. Ephesians tells us the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Amen. I take that. That's the Old Testament, the prophets. That's the New Testament, the apostles with a revelation of who Jesus is. This church is built on the rock of truth. Amen. Church ceases to be a church if it's not a uh, uh, Preaching the word of God, right? Because Jesus was the word become flesh. Oh, I could preach all day. I really could preach all day. Now, what you're doing here today is business for God's kingdom. Somebody said they went out to the beach and they were had a cup of coffee and they had church. No, you didn't. You didn't have church on the beach with a cup of coffee by yourself. Somebody said, oh, I went deer hunting and me and the Lord, we were just talking. Man, I had church on my deer stand. No, you didn't. For where two or three are gathered in my name. And, and, and when he says in my name under my authority, that encompasses all the word of God. It has to be done decently and in order. It's not just you deciding you're going to have church because you got three people over for coffee. Come on now. I am going to get to a Christmas for Christ offering here. Spiritual warfare. How do we take territory back from Satan? By establishing God's kingdom. It's one thing to pray around a city. But when you leave, what happens? It's one thing to go have a crusade in the city one time a year. But when you leave, what happens? If the kingdom of God is to be established in that city, there's got to be a church in that city where two or three are gathered in my name. There's got to be a group of people that come together under apostolic leadership and authority and preaching correct doctrine from the word of God because the church is built on that. And they come together. In fact, the book of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Even the more so as you see the day approaching. Then it says the next word, for if you sin willfully, when you decide not to be a part of God's church, it's willful sin. When you decide not to gather with believers, oh, let me tell you, something powerful happens when you're a church. Now, when you study Catholic doctrine, you find seeds of truth in Catholic doctrine. And then they've perverted it. Transubstantiation is a doctrine they believe in. They believe that when you take the bread and you take the cup, that that literally, that wine becomes the blood of Jesus. They believe that wafer literally becomes the flesh of Jesus. And they believe that to be saved, means of grace, sacrament, you have to eat that wafer and you have to drink that cup. And that's the way you eat and drink the body of Christ. They believe that. 
They believe it so strong. I was with Mark Brown in North Dakota. They bought a church that believed in transubstantiation. And I was about to, I was in his office drinking a cup of coffee. And I went over to the sink in his office to pour out my coffee that was left over. And he said, wait, wait. He said, don't, don't use that sink. He said, there's one around the corner in the bathroom. You can pour it out down that sink. I said, oh, is it broke? He said, oh, no, it's not broke. He said, but that was their communion sink. He said, it doesn't really connect to anything. It just goes out on the ground. He said, because they didn't want to pour the blood of Jesus into the sewer system, they rigged it up so they could just pour it down on the ground. That's how strong they believed that. The Catholic Church believed that so strongly that they, uh, in fact, Cyril of uh, Carthage said, he, he coined this phrase, nulla salus extra ecclesia. No salvation without the church. Oh, they, they really packed on this doctrine of uh, uh, that a priest has to give you sacerdotalism. The priest has to give you the sacrament, and then they to control the people. If if a town wasn't doing what they want to do, they said, "Well, we're going to excommunicate your priest, and that means uh, it, we're going to make it retroactive. That means none of your marriages are valid. None of you've never really taken communion, and so you're damned to hell. So straighten up, or we're going to excommunicate your priest." And so there's there's the seeds of some of that. People say, "Well, that church has too much power." But let me tell you something. The Catholics are wrong about transubstantiation. The, the, the wine or the juice and the wafer represents the body and the blood of Jesus. We do it, and we do it with reverence, and we do it in obedience to the word of God. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, and we honor his broken body and his shed blood. But you know what is true? Where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. He's literally here. I said, He's literally here. You want to touch Jesus today? Reach out and touch your neighbor. Ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. We're God's kingdom. Church is important. It's not just something good that we do and then we have a relationship with Jesus. There is no relationship with Jesus outside of his body. When a child is born, human babies are not born like wildebeest to be born and run off somewhere. A child is born into a family. And if it's going to survive, it must be nurtured. It is born into a family. When you are born again, you are born again into the family of God. And the family of God meets and assembles on a regular basis to do the business of God. I work in St. Louis. I work for the UPCI. Let me tell you, the UPCI is an organization of churches and we work together, this is your local church. There's no, you know there's no greater authority you need than this church right here. You've got a pastor, you've got elders, you've got the word, and you come together. And you've got the gifts of the spirit. You've got the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the gift of prophecy and tongues, interpretation of tongues. You've got it all right here. And it's not because you've got 
500, 600, 800. It's, it, it's because you come together where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am. And so in Lithia Springs, or Lithia Springs, I, here we are today, the kingdom of God. Went to plant a church. I was planting a church in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we was only running about 55, and we had won some people from a little town about 13, 14 miles away. And I was driving through there one day to teach a Bible study. I stopped at a red light, and the Lord showed me a vision of a church in the middle of that intersection, and people were streaming from each side of that intersection into this church. And I just sat there. I sat there as the light turned green, and I just couldn't move. I, all I could see was that church. I said, Lord, what are you saying? He said, I want you to start a church in this city. He said, they're going to come from all of these other little communities. I said, but God, I don't have a church I just started. I don't have it to where I want it. And it's, it's too small and we can't start. And, and I had all my excuses. This is too far west of Detroit and I'm going east and and, and the Lord showed me then another vision. He showed me a vision of a little lady sitting in a rocking chair. And smoke was coming up out of her house. And he let me know that was her prayers. And he said, they're praying for a church here. And he said, I've got nobody to see him but you. And you're going to go. I said, yes, sir. Second service, that little lady was sitting in the parking lot waiting for I wonder how many people, good Catholic people, good religious people, they're praying this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. Maybe they're doing it on the rosary. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're praying for a church to come to their city. And they don't even know it. But by praying for God's kingdom to come. Why do we plant churches? Because everybody. The Catholics believed that everybody needed to have a church within walking distance. So that they could come and drink the blood and eat the flesh of Jesus. And there's hardly a community you go through doesn't have a church, a Catholic church. I was in Chicago one night and I, I led a little old lady across the street. She was 86 years old and she thanked me it was raining. It was drizzling rain on a Saturday night. And she said, I'm going to church. She said, I got to go to church on Saturday so I don't have to get up on Sunday. And I thought, here she is, 86 years old, going to church so she can drink the blood. And eat the flesh. Do we believe people need to hear the Jesus name message? Do we believe Acts 2.38? Do we believe that you must repent of your sins? Be baptized in the name of Jesus. And receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well why wouldn't we want a church. In every city. That preaches that message. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? 
This world is not going to be saved without the church. I planted churches. I tell people I'm planting a church. Positions can come. I'm supposing. I say, oh, you're planting a church. And, and they look at me with a puzzled look on their face like, do we need another church? And then they say, oh, well, where, where are you located? Oh, you know where the church of the good shepherd is? Yeah. Well, we're having church there. And they're like, oh, so let me get this straight. You're planting a church in a church? The world doesn't understand it. But we understand it. Where two or three are gathered in my name. Does this world really know the name of Jesus? When they won't be baptized in the name of Jesus? Do they really know the name of Jesus when they make equivalents? Oh, well, uh, some worship God through Buddha. Some worship God through Muhammad. Some worship God. No, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. That's why we plant churches. Nula solace extra ecclesia. No salvation without the church. Jesus is not coming back for you as an individual. And it may be news to you, but he didn't die for you as an individual. He purchased the church with his own blood. He's coming back for his church. And if you're going to make it, if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be because they're in the church. Shouldn't they have an opportunity to be in a church? Shouldn't we send a preacher? For unto us, a child is born. I'm not trying to play on your emotions today. I, I know it's Christmas. It's the perfect time. I'm telling you, I preach this in July. This is God's desire. And this is how He's going to take over the earth. It's through the church. We're going to rule and reign with Him in the millennial kingdom. But for right now, today, the way God rules North America is through the church. It's where His will is done. Where His body, every town, every city needs a church. North American Mission, that's what we do. We plant churches. And we take up an offering every year at Christmas. Brother Jack Yant started this years ago at a church planner. He said, why don't we give our best gift to Jesus? It's Christmas. It's about his kingdom. And, and, and I do. I wish somebody today would give $100,000. It, it would be great. But, but how about this? How about you give your best gift to Jesus? Look at your Christmas list. And, and, and this is about him. This is about his kingdom. And the whole purpose he came for is to establish his kingdom so that his government and peace, the increase of his government, there will be no end. And so we give our best gift to Jesus. Aren't you glad you're part of his kingdom today? Come on, let's just lift our hands and thank him.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, don't tighten up on me now about an offering. Come on, you know better than that. You know all. You know giving is spiritual. Come on. This is about God's kingdom. I, I'm not trying to manipulate you with an offering. I, everything I preach to you, it, I, I hope you don't think it's about money. It's about the advancement of God's kingdom. That's why I've given my life to church planning. It's because I believe that. I, I, I don't believe it's enough to have one church in one place and try to reach... Uh, Five million people from one church. It, it's the, the kingdom of God has to be local. Every city. So we're asking you today, won't you stand right now? Won't you stand? Come on, somebody, somebody talk to the Lord. Let's get this burden and feeling. Jesus in your name right now. God help us. Come on, he wept in that garden because he was about to shed his blood for you and I, for the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. Come on, let's talk to him right now. Come on, Atlanta West. Let's talk to the Lord right now. God, have your way in this service right now. God, help us to connect your incarnation with church, with church. God, help us to connect the incarnation with church. The local church. God, let me connect the incarnation with Atlanta West. Let me uh, uh, connect the incarnation with the 9 o'clock service. God, let me connect it, God. It, it, it's your heartbeat. It's your burden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Everything you give today will go to sending men and women into cities that have no church. No apostolic witness. Or like Atlanta is under-evangelized. Maybe Atlanta has a church, but it needs a church in this neighborhood. I was just doing some research. Jackson Heights. It's a, uh, a little community. 108,000 people in the, in, in the borough of Manhattan. Speaks 167 languages. No church. We have one church in Manhattan for 1.6 million people. This offering sends church planters to plant churches. Amen. While you're at your seat, I want you just to pray. And what God wants you to write down as the amount. Make sure it's your best gift. And then we're going to bring it down to the altar today. I want you to come as families. I want you to come as families and lay your gift on this altar and pray God will multiply it. It's not enough. It won't be enough today. But bring your five loaves and two fishes. Bring what you can bring today. And let's put it in God's hands so that he can build his kingdom. Hallelujah.